No prep? No nothing, right? We just go for it? D- we, I mean, we, we don't usually prep, so. Fair enough. Fair enough. Do we prep and I just don't know it? You've missed every prep meeting so far. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. yeah, sorry. Just me and Stump in a room looking at each other. I think he's coming. Hey, hey, welcome to the Felt Recall Podcast, number 138. Wait, no, one, 148. I labeled it 138, but it's definitely one. It's 148, right? <laughs> Am I the idiot? No, you're the idiot. Am I the idiot? Episode 148. I went back in time. I've been watching Loki on Disney+. Plus. I haven't been here in a while. Somebody grabbed the time so, twister. I don't know what episode we're on. I don't know what this thing is in front of my face. I don't know what's on my head right now. Where you been, Hulan? Where you been? Well, I wasn't going to make a big deal out of it, but you made a comment last week. Yeah. So I can't just like gloss over that and pretend like it didn't happen. I like to <laughs> I like to think that you listen to episodes that you're not on. I do. And and at the conclusion of them you go idiot. <laughs> just close just close the app. Stupid. Why am I even involved with this? So did you see me? <laughs> like how do you know? Yeah, I'm a tracker. Okay. Alright, welcome to the program, FeltRecallShow.com for more information on who we are and what this show is all about, but uh, you'll figure it out, I promise. Thanks for being here, thanks for uh, returning, Hulon, glad to have you back. Before we get into anything, let's touch on this week's charity of choice. I don't think, I don't think I'm being crazy to say to you that anti-police rhetoric Police attacks, attacks against police, I should say, are at an all-time high. It is incredible to even think that that's a thing, yet here we are. Uh, this is what Biden's America looks like, and Obama's America was a little bit like this. Um, no support for the men and women in blue, and a lot of hate, a lot of hate. Um, there were some stats that came out today that there were several large cities in America that had like a 90-plus percent murder rate over last year. No kidding. Yeah. I'd believe it. I'd believe it. Because, look, if, if you're telling people that uh, they should tell their truth and live by their morals and that the police are inherently evil, what do you expect those people to do, right? The, the rule of law has broken down at that point. I mean, that's what the police are there for, is to say that if you want to be a part of a civilized society, these are the rules by which you agree to live. It's awful tough when you have DAs that won't prosecute, quote-unquote, petty crimes. Right. To include, I don't know, say, prostitution. Did you you read the Kamala Harris story this week, by the way, about her bullying the girl's mother? Uh, Real quick. Yes. Uh, From now on, we're going to refer to her as Chuckles. Oh, that's a great one. Chuckles Harris. Did you read this story about... I did uh, So she has uh, bullied the family... Uh, of this like famous blues singer and the the granddaughter of the blues singer uh, went on a tirade, just tirade. Uh, Nina Simone is the singer. Uh, This is from the Daily Wire. Legendary singer Nina Simone's family claims Kamala Harris, Chuckles Harris, bullied and intimidated Harris out of the estate. The High Priestess of Soul, she was called, said Simone's family lost control of the legendary singer's estate because Vice President Chuckles Harris targeted them when she was Attorney General of California. Rihanna, I think it's Rihanna, or or maybe Rayana, 
It's R E with a mark and then capital A N N A. So I'll call her. I think that would be Rayana. Simone Kelly tweeted on Saturday that Harris, quote, bullied my mother in court to the point that, quote, my mom almost killed herself from the depression. The estate was taken away from us and given to white people. Our family name was dragged in the media. We get no royalties, nothing. Want to hold someone accountable? Ask Kamala Harris why she came from my family. Ask her why she separated my family. Ask her why my grandmother's estate is in shambles now. Ask her why we, as her family, no longer own the rights to anything. Ask her why she bullied my mother in court. Ask her why my mother had a gag order put on her and cannot speak on those things. Uh, Turns out, by the way, uh, that Harris oversaw the case against them in 2013. Lisa Simone Kelly was accused of breaching her fiduciary duty. Doesn't matter too much. Look, Kamala Harris took a ton of money from this family and then seized um, the rights to the estate, handed them over to other people, and then played the woman's song at her inauguration. Come on. Not a joke. Not a joke. And the granddaughter says it was absolutely on purpose. Absolutely on purpose. Uh, the Nina Simone estate is a French estate, and we were told by U.S. judges to go and claim airship in France, Kelly says. She added that Harris, as California's attorney general, then targeted her family for allegedly committing fraud, which, of course, turned out to be totally false, as the money she was talking about was used to pay attorneys, accountants, and to protect and run the estate. Um, to be clear, Kamala had no jurisdiction over the estate because it's not an American estate. It's a French estate. And should have been filed in France. Grandma was a resident of France, lived in France, and died in France. Her estate was French. Uh, The only way Kamala could try to prosecute my mother was if my mom was not protected, which is why Kamala tried to force my mother to resign as the administrator and executive of the estate. To be clear, mom did her part and did not resign because of any wrongdoing. My mother resigned because she was bullied and intimidated by Kamala Harris, who was the Attorney General of California at the time, into resigning. And then, yes, uh, Kamala Harris played the woman's song at her inauguration. Wonderful, isn't it? She's a great person. Anyway, uh, you have people like that who were top top law enforcement officials and now laugh at the laws they enforced, right? And so anti-police rhetoric is up, and these people are um, really costing police officers their lives. Anyway, uh, there's a great organization out there called the War Fund. The Wounded and Recovering Fund, GreenvilleWarFund.com is their website. The Wounded and Recovering Fund was set up by Greenville County deputies after several serious line-of-duty injuries. Uh, Those injuries caused deputies to experience financial hardships because the department and insurance will stop paying a deputy after he's been out of work or she has been out of work for any given amount of time, even if it was a work-related shooting. You get shot as a cop, and they'll stop paying you. It's a crazy thing to think about. Anyway, hope you'll support GreenvilleWarFund.com. GreenvilleWarFund.com. Protect those who protect us as best you can. Okay. Did you have a good Father's Day? I did. Father Dose now, right? Father Dose. Yes, indeed. Anything special happen? No, it's pretty low-key. Sit around and stare at each other? Um, I mean, I guess you could call it that. Yeah. Your kids are young. Tends to be what you do. Yeah, they don't. They don't really get it. They just look at you. Yeah. What are you doing, Dad? Why are you crying? What is that thing you're drinking? That kind of stuff. Yep. Um, <laughs> That's not juice. <laughs> that smells weird. We had. I got everything I wanted for Father's Day, which uh, I told my kids. 
oldest son's very funny. He fakes like he has some sort of guilt complex. I don't think he really does. I think he just wants me to think he feels bad. All right. But uh, <laughs> he said to me, what, what do you want for Father's Day? And I said, I'm going to tell you what I want. And I mean, it's, a, you know, it's a Sunday, right? It's going to rain all day. We were out all day Saturday. We were out of the house all day. A really long day on Saturday. So I said, uh, what I want to do is sleep in. Then I want to get up and we'll play some Fortnite. And then we'll have lunch. And we'll go see Grandpa. And we'll come home and we'll have a movie night. That's it. Simple. Simple. And that's essentially what we did. And I was like a good time. Yeah, it was. It was a really good time. They got me a popcorn maker, right? Which was, is funny enough. I have to give props to a coworker, James, who planted the idea in my head at one point because we were literally on a dock fishing together in Alabama, and uh, or maybe I was just watching him fish. Doesn't matter too much, but we were talking about having kids and a family and all that. And I said, "Yeah, we just sit around and eat popcorn a lot." And he said to me, "Do you have?" An actual popcorn maker. Hey, real quick, yeah. just so you know, uh-huh. drinking a beer by water is not fishing. Oh. In my book, it is. Okay. All right. So, mind your business. Your world, we're just living in it. Um. Anyway, the point is, James turned me on to all the glories that an actual pop, uh, popcorn maker could, could give your life. Like a real one. Like a real one. Because to me, a popcorn maker. Maker is a microwave. Right. You know, there's no microwave in our house. I did not know that. Yeah, no microwave. I think microwaves make food taste terrible. I hate microwaves. I do not use them that for is that correct. reason. Yeah. And um, it's not about like radio waves or any conspiracy like that. It's just a matter of I hate the way food tastes out of a microwave. I'll mm-hmm. turn the oven on 375. I put the food in. This this is an honest God. This is Chris's formula for reheating all food ever. Yeah. Oven goes on 375. I put the food in the oven. This is reheating. This regardless isn't cooking. of the items. No, regardless. Doesn't matter. If it's been cooked already All right. and we're here to reheat, a normal person would do 30 seconds in a microwave. Yeah. Because they're smart. I hate the way it tastes when it comes out. By the way, quick side note that is a funny thing about me is I don't know the calculations on microwaves. So when I go to like my parents' house or somewhere, on a rare occasion, and they say, yeah, you know, we were having a meal or whatever. And, and then there's food that needs to be microwaved. To me, everything is like two minutes. And it's only in the last couple of years that I've learned you should probably start at like 30 seconds. And yeah, then see how much like more it work needs. your way up. You never put it in for a long period of time. Like ingredients with cooking. You can always add more, but you, you can't go. take it back, yeah. right? So you start low. Anyway, um, my... Just so you know, though. Yeah. You're never going to master the microwave because no two people have the same microwave. You you will never go right. in two households and find the exact same one. So the controls are not the same. So you're 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 totally fine. So don't feel like you're like missing out. Okay. okay. All right, I get it. Environments change how microwaves work too, right? Like elevation is a thing for microwaves. If you go to Colorado and try and use a microwave, it's totally different. True story. I don't I don't know that I've ever yeah. given it that much thought. Um, so anyway, I've been to Colorado. Yeah. I didn't go there to use a microwave. Yeah. You don't have to microwave your weed, Patrick. (laughs) Okay. Put it in your pipe and smoke it. Um, or in your case, bake it in the brownies. It did take three hours to bake it. No, you were just high. 
took the standard 40 minutes. Um, <laughs> point being, we, we don't use microwave. We don't have microwave. And so uh, the process in our house is the food's been cooked. It needs to be reheated. The oven goes on 375. You put it on the cookie sheet, slide it in the oven. It beeps to preheat, and then you give it five minutes. And you're good. It's done. Five minutes after the preheat beep, you pull it out, whatever it is, you're good to go. All right? That's the way I do things. Well, anyway. So there's conspiracies surrounding microwaves. I have a conspiracy right. that the preheat is a conspiracy all its own that the power companies cooked up <laughs> to okay. make you waste energy and have to pay them more money. Probably so. Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. Put yeah. that one in your pipe and smoke. I'm thinking about it right now. Yeah. Um. So what do you wait? What is preheat on a microwave? You put it. You put frozen food in there. I don't know. And um, is it th- a thaw? What, we, what is th- preheat? Yeah, on I a think microwave? there is a thaw, uh, like a, a thawing. Mode. Is that the same thing or no? I, I guess. Oh, yeah. I, but there's people out there like my wife that mm. will preheat the oven and wait until it beeps and then put things in. You're saying you, you put you it should in. do it. Yeah. No, no, no. Wait, wait, wait. Are you saying you put it in uh, as it's preheating? I need to make an important distinction here. We're talking about reheating food that's already been cooked properly. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you. Your wife is correct. If you're cooking something, you don't you don't put it in until the preheat beeps. Yeah, because that messes your timing up, right? Well, your timing and the way the food cooks. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want, like, you got a chicken breast you're trying to cook, right? Okay. You can put it in the oven at 350. Let it sit for 30 minutes or whatever. You don't want to throw it in there while the oven's cold and let it slowly cook it a little bit. Right. Right. You got to let it get to 350, then throw it in there and let it start evenly cooking that chicken breast. All right. Makes sense? Yep. Okay. You're a regular Julia Childs over here. That's me, buddy. That's me. Uh, My creme brulee. To die for. It's amazing. To die for. Uh, I just like starting fires. (laughs) Um. Where was I going with this? doesn't matter. The point is we had a great Father's Day. And then today, today, I was a really bad dad. And I realized that. And actually, today I was a sucker dad. That's what I was today, was a sucker dad. And I really couldn't. You have, you have kids, right? But your kids are young, like we just mentioned. What are they, like two and nothing, right? Yes, okay. accurate. Mine are eight, six, and four. Going... By the way, on 18, 6, and then 40 on the youngest. Mm. She's a diva. Um, I could go on about her. But the point is this. I walk in tonight. uh, It's about 545. I made a terrible tactical decision on Father's Day. You ever do that thing where you just think, I know that's the way it should be, but that's not the way it will be. But then it is the way it is, <laughs> meaning, carry, meaning carry the seven <laughs> divided by two. We're, I have no idea what you just said to me. All right, this is what I mean. We're at my parents' house for Father's Day, right? I'm the only kid that loves my dad enough to go to his house for Father's Day. I do want to point that out. We give him his card, Happy Father's Day. We spend a few hours over there, and I say, uh, "Have a great evening, pops," and he hugs me. You're, you're the best child I could have ever hoped for. Something like that happened. And uh, we get in the, we get out in the car, and I go, let's go out and eat something. Man. Let's, let's go somewhere and eat. In my head, initially, I think, well, it's Father's Day. Everything will be packed. And I go, well, I mean, I look at you know, 
6.30, almost 7 o'clock on a Sunday night in Greenville. I think, yeah, it's not going to be all that packed. Not everywhere. Father's Day, they'd probably do lunch, right? So I'm understanding in my head, I think this is the way it'll be. And then I go to, that's not how it'll be. And then we show up at the restaurant we wanted to go to, and they go, it's an hour and a half wait. I said, whoa. Ouch. Yeah, well, don't worry about it. Appreciate it. So then we drive over to another restaurant, and it's closed for a private event. So I go, okay, we're not going to eat here either. Oh, I got one more idea. And we go there, hour and a half wait. Like, identical to the first place we go. So I say, okay, forget it. We're going to go to, like, a Mexican restaurant, have Mexican food, and go home. Fine, no problem. We, we love Mexican food in this house. It's not like that was a compromise. Everybody was happy. So then my wife says, why don't we go to the restaurant you wanted to go to tomorrow? Let's just do dinner there tomorrow. And since that was your choice, I go, that's fine. We'll do that. And so tonight, dinner time comes, and this is where I make my great mistake as a father. I come into the kitchen, and I go, all right, it's 545. It's, actually, it's later than that. It's like 615. I said, hey, uh, kids, let's uh, get our shoes on, and we're going to go out to eat. And it's like an immediate mutiny, right? We're not doing that. No way. We're playing this game, whatever the game was they were playing. Can't we please finish this game? Can't we please finish? And I go, no, 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 no. We need to go eat. Because what I tell my kids is, dad has work at 930, right? Like, you and I get together 930 every, every Monday night to record this podcast. And so I'll say to them, Dad has work at 9.30. So it's 6, 6.15-ish. So I say, I know you guys want to watch your show. It's about 50 minutes long. So if we go to eat now, we'll be home by 7.30. You can watch your show until 8.30. We do the bedtime routine, and then my work starts at 9.30. And they go, ugh. And they all get, like, attitude. And here's the, like, dumb dad thing that I do. I immediately say, you know what? You're all having bad attitudes. We're not going out to eat. And my kids literally celebrated. <laughs> they were in the kitchen telling me they didn't want to go out to eat. Talk about your all-time backfires. <laughs> and it made me mad that they didn't want to go out to eat. So I said, you know what? You're not going out to eat. You can eat whatever we can scramble up in this house. And grilled cheeses. Yay! <laughs> I went in my office and sat down and thought, you nitwit. Like, that was entirely the wrong. What I should have done is put them in the car and said, you're coming anyway, and then made them watch me eat. Like, not bought them anything, and they could have just watched me eat. See, that would have been the right dad move. This is why I'm going to tell you why I appreciate these stories that you're telling me, because I feel like these are prepping me for (laughs) things that are coming down the road in my future. Learn. And so I've already come up with a way to circumvent the uh, reverse psychology that totally backfired on you. Yeah. So when this happens to me and my kids are playing like some video game or something or, you know, uh, on, on Twitter or whatever they're doing when they're six years old and I'm ready to leave, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to go to the breaker box and I'm going to turn the power off to the house. That's a great idea. That's and great then I'll idea. be like, I don't know what happened. I, I don't... Uh, no, no, you do. God is angry. Mm. God I, did that. I like that spin, actually. 
That's where electricity comes from. Yep. And now it doesn't work because of you. Yep. What I did in your scenario was I walked in and the kids were playing a video game. And I said, hey, why don't, why don't I take you out to eat? They said, we don't want to go out to eat. We want to play this video game. And I said, legitimately, like an idiot, you know what? If that's your attitude, you can stay right here and play this video game. <laughs> I couldn't believe I did it. I went into my office, and after like 20, 30 more minutes, I was really kicking myself like, what did I just do? I just I gave them exactly what they wanted. I gave them exactly what they said. No, we're not going to go out to eat. Like, what kind of kid doesn't want to go? This is how spoiled they are. What kind of kid doesn't want to go out to eat? Who says, nah, not tonight. That is a little bizarre. Not, not tonight, old man. You go in the other room. Uh, so that was kind of funny. It was definitely a learning moment. Like, no, eh, we don't want to go out to eat. And I was like, oh, what? Oh, you don't want to go out to eat? Tell you what, then. You'll stay at home and eat. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> like, I'm the dummy. <laughs> I had to go in my office and just sit there and sulk by myself. Anyway, yeah, learn from me. Don't do that. All right. Hey, remember Making a Murderer on Netflix? Yeah, I loved it groundbreaking new evidence but it's actually not new stories from april and i just found out about it well then i, I missed it too i haven't heard anybody talk about this until a friend of mine posted it on oh, facebook yeah, well, it's probably because we're just waiting for the next season is there gonna be a next season? i don't know I, I was just giving myself an excuse why i hadn't heard about it well so it, tell me what happened a former gannett wisconsin newspaper delivery route driver this is from msn.com powered by microsoft news a former gannett wisconsin newspaper delivery route driver has come forward and signed a sworn affidavit attesting that he notified the manitowic is that right man manitowic manitowic county sheriff's office i don't know man those people talk really funny they really do at the time of Teresa Halbach's disappearance, he says he saw Bobby Dassey and another man moving Halbach's RAV4 vehicle to the Avery property. Downers Grove, Illinois, wrongful conviction lawyer Kathleen Zellner filed a motion in Manitowoc County accusing prosecutors of Stephen Avery, so the people that prosecuted Stephen Avery, of committing a Brady violation. Prosecutors and police are not allowed to hide exculpatory evidence that may be favorable to a criminal defendant in preparation for trial. Zellner remains determined to regain Avery's freedom in the murder case following the December 2015 docuseries Making a Murderer. Uh, Zellner telling The Patch that the filing marks the biggest development in her effort to free Avery, saying, quote, this is an evidence bombshell in the Avery case. We consider it the most significant witness evidence ever in the case, and it's an objective, non-biased witness who notified police in 2005 and was ignored. Zellner says, I think Stephen Avery never would have been convicted had this evidence been known during his trial. Uh, the April 11th motion states that the new witness, Thomas Sowinski, came forward and notified Zellner that he was in a motor route delivery for, uh, for Gannett, Wisconsin newspapers and in 2005. So he's delivering papers to the Avery Salvage Yard along Avery Road and quote, prior to delivering the newspapers to the Avery Salvage Yard, he turned onto the Avery property and witnessed two individuals, a shirtless Bobby Dassey, that's Avery's nephew, by the way, and an unidentified male suspiciously pushing a dark blue RAV4 down Avery Road towards the junkyard. The RAV4 did not have its lights on. After Mr. Sowinski drove by Bobby and the other individual and delivered the papers to the Avery mailbox, 
He turned around and drove back toward the exit. When he reached the RAV4, Bobby attempted to step in front of his car to block him from leaving the property. Mr. Sawinski was within five feet of Bobby, and his headlights were on Bobby during his entire time. Mr. Sawinski swerved into a shallow ditch to escape Bobby and exit the property. Zellner's filing goes on to explain that after Mr. Sawinski learned that Teresa Halbach's car was found on the same day, November the 5th, 2005, he realized the significance of what he had observed and immediately contacted the Manitowoc County Sheriff's Office and spoke to a female officer. He says in his sworn affidavit that the officer said, quote, we already know who did it. He gave his phone number to the police and the sheriff's office said they'd contact him, but never did. Did you think Avery did it when you first watched Making a Murderer? No, because I didn't think anyone could be that stupid. Right. And also, I thought it was just a little bit too convenient. For anybody, if you happen to not know, what happened here is you have this guy, Stephen Avery, who did 18 years in prison. Yeah, I think so. For a rape that he was exonerated for by DNA evidence. They found out he didn't do it. They caught the other guy. The other guy confessed to it. He comes out of prison. And years later, he's accused of murdering this freelance photographer. Well, he, he was given over a million dollars, I think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for time served for the wrongful conviction. That's right. That's right. Uh, so, I mean, you know, guy gets out, gets freedom back, you know, has enough money to support himself and his family. Mm-hmm. And, and they're, uh, I think, kind of had a fledgling business because they had been you know, dragged through the dirt. Well, been the name to legal was mud. Fees. Yeah. You know, yeah. Nobody in their small town would do business with them. Yeah. They own a salvage yard. So I think, um, you know, I think, uh, this revelation of finding her car on their property right. seemed like some kind of setup. Yeah. And initially my thought was the cops put it there because it's, it, it, well, we do know it seems as if, so, he gets accused of killing this freelance photographer, Teresa Halbach. They can't find evidence. It takes them like yep. three times searching his house to suddenly, quote unquote, discover evidence, meaning her key to the RAV4 is suddenly in his bedroom on like the third attempt. They take his nephew, I believe it was, yep. who is obviously mentally impaired. They coerce a confession out of him which is all on tape. It's four and a half hours for him to convince to, to confess to anything. They lie to him. They intimidate. They do everything a, a police officer shouldn't do to someone to get a confession out of them. They lead him, I think, was a the very more good important point. thing. Because very good point. It seems in the beginning of the interview, he has no clue what they're even talking about, why he's even there. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of it, he's saying exactly what you know this narrative has been drawn out to be. And by leading him... You may remember that they're asking him who hurt her, who hurt her, and he's like, I don't know, I don't know. And then they say, who cut her throat? Like, they just go straight to exactly how she died and who did it. And he goes, oh, well, Steve did. Like, he's really trying to get himself out of some trouble here. So this whole case is kind of mired in controversy. he ends up in prison over it. Yeah. Because he's essentially uh, coerced and admitting he's an accomplice. Yeah. 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 So I, I think the, the thing that I thought was strange about it was there was no physical evidence in the car. So I feel like if you have just murdered someone and you're going to move their vehicle, 
you know, something is going to be left behind a fingerprint. Yeah. Uh, hair, you, you know, something, anything fiber from your clothing, I, any number of untold things mm-hmm. could be in there and they find literally nothing. And it's not even hidden. Well, right. It's, it's like, like a plywood. Yeah. They put like a board up against <laughs> yeah. it, you know? So that, that to me just seemed like if none of them seem real bright to be fair. Right. But I feel like if you're okay, you just got out of prison for something you didn't do. Yeah. Spent a good portion of your life in, in prison. It, you've been given this blank check to go out and live the rest of your life. Now, I'm not saying you're not going to commit any more crimes. But what I am thinking is, if you did, you might be bright enough to not leave the one piece of actual evidence, which is her car, mm-hmm. in your backyard. Yeah. Literally in your backyard. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying it seemed too convenient. And that's what led me to say it maybe was the cops. And then uh, I think towards the end of the, the season, they kind of take this turn where they start talking about the nephew's stepfather. Is that is that what he is? Is that the right relation? Uh, I'm trying to remember. See. I don't know if I'm right. Bobby Sassy, I think, is a nephew. His stepfather, Scott Tannock, Zellner says is a co-conspirator. Um, who had? All right, no, yeah, Bobby is a nephew because Bobby's the one that um, had the weird Google history. Yeah. If you remember, he was like looking at really weird yep. murder scenes on Google. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I mean, don't we all from time to time? No. Oh, I mean, but to your gross. point. <laughs> <laughs> How weird. <laughs> Go watch Don't F with Cats on Netflix. Um, to your point, though, what's a more believable scenario, right? Is it more believable that a man that's recently freed from prison after 18 years served for a crime he didn't commit, does that man go out and murder? Or, or does a deranged relative believe that it would be easy to pin a murder Absolutely. on that man. Well, my theory was as to why the cops did it was because they were embarrassed. Yeah. So that was kind of what led me to believe that that was the case. But, I mean, hearing this, and, and again, they, they, they do kind of shine some light on this scenario where you know, it's mm-hmm. a relative that does it because who, who's going to believe him, right? Right. The whole yeah. town hates him. Yeah. The whole town hates the family. So yeah, it, it you know again, it's all just a little too convenient. Yeah. So it makes perfect sense. I I believe I believe we don't know the whole truth. And I also believe that you're correct that that entire um what I would say the judicial system of that area is embarrassed because they botched it on the rape case. They've botched it on this case as well. They look terrible, and they'll do anything to save face. I do believe that. I don't know that I believe 100% Steve Avery is not guilty or didn't know anything about it, uh, but I don't think he did it. I definitely don't believe the confession of his nephew that confessed, who was not Bobby Sassy. I can't remember that guy's name. Bobby Sassy lived in a trailer nearby, and had all sorts of weird habits, if I'm remembering correctly. But anyway, his other nephew, I believe, is still in jail, and they 
Um, there's a whole thing about they let him out, but then it was like a technicality, and they came back and locked him back up. But anyway, if you followed Making Murder, it looks like Patrick, your your um, hint there at the beginning would be would be true. They've got to do another season. If there's evidence like this, Zellner's not doing this just because. Like there's going to be, and she's what? she's got a great track record of getting things overturned. So she kind of is the show. Yes, yeah, at this point, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to tangle with her. No, she seems pretty fierce in all the right ways, man. She's confident and smart and just seems like a great person. So hopefully uh, hopefully she's out there. Obviously she's out there and on it. So hopefully uh, whatever she needs to find the truth, whatever the truth is, hopefully that's found. Here's a fun one. Probably my favorite story of the week. Lay it on me. Uh, the McCloskeys, who you might remember from the St. Louis riots. How could right? I forget? Yeah, they're standing outside that house that looks like a federal courthouse. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just where they live. Just a place to hang your head. Yeah, man. Just a humble abode. Um, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, I think, were mixed together. Broke into this gated neighborhood. One of the same, if we're being honest. Yeah, know. I believe they are. They break into a gated neighborhood. They start threatening people. They're telling the McCloskeys that they're going to kill them and live in that house. And the McCloskeys are out there uh, standing with a rifle and a handgun. And what Missouri has told the world, St. Louis specifically here, uh, is that you're not allowed. This is an amazing thing to think about. It's an amazing thing to think about. If a violent mob comes to your neighborhood, you are not allowed to show any force on your property to protect yourself and your family. Want to bet? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can do what you do. (laughs) But legally speaking in Missouri now, in St. Louis specifically, you're not allowed to walk out there and do that. I find that to be very, very intriguing. Where is the line in what the violent mob is allowed to do? Is it because they didn't actually walk onto McCloskey's property? You know? Maybe. I mean, I can't speak to Missouri law, but... It, it'd, be, it'd be an interesting case to really read into and study. I'd love to pick that judge's brain and say, now, wait a second. What's wrong? If a violent mob comes into my neighborhood... And I know where they're headed. They're headed for my neighbor's house, which was the case here, right? If I know that's where they're going and what they're doing, what? why am I prevented from going out there and trying to intimidate them into retreat? Why do I have to stop? Why do I have to lay down and let my neighbors be the victim? That's a strange thing. Anyway, they, had a, they reached a plea agreement. They pled guilty. And then they surrendered the guns they used in the standoff. And then immediately, Mark McCloskey, like a boss... Goes out to the local gun shop and picks up a brand new AR-15. According to the New York Post, the gun-toting St. Louis lawyer who pleaded guilty to pulling a gun on Black Lives Matter protesters is flaunting his new rifle. He picked up a brand new AR-15 after surrendering his old one. (laughs) He posted on Twitter with a picture holding it with the sales guy saying, Checking out my new AR. And then he has a a picture with himself and his wife. I'll tell you, for rich people, it's funny. Rich people always dress like poor people, don't they? Well, actually, let me rephrase. Rich people always dress like a middle-class guy had a shopping spree at JCPenney. <laughs> right? Like, this dude's a multi-billionaire, and he's dressed in these weird-looking jeans and an obviously flamboyant polo shirt. You can't buy fashion sense. All right. Like, the rest of us would love to just live in comfortable clothing and nobody knows who makes it because it's so expensive it doesn't have a label. Like, that's the kind of clothes I want one day, right? Like, I don't want to be branded in somebody else's logo. I just want to be super cozy in what I'm wearing everywhere I go. Not this guy. 
Hey, look at me. I bought an $80 polo shirt. See? It's got a guy on a horse. See that? It's polo. That's do you, Can you afford polo? No, you can't. Poor. Shut up. <laughs> anyway. His wife. I also uh, <laughs> like the fact that it looks like he's holding uh, like a pretty basic rifle. Yeah, there's nothing special about it, right? It looks like a Colt, but I only say that because it's got a carry handle on it. I'm going to see if I can zoom in here. Who makes that? You know what? I'm going to tell you right now. I'm going to post it onto our Facebook page. I think they photoshopped out the logo of the manufacturer. I'm almost certain they did. Look at that and tell me they didn't. I think they photoshopped that out. Uh, in Photoshop, you can use a clone stamp tool to capture like uh, similar colors from elements within the image. Mm-hmm. And then you stamp over it. And it makes these small circles. If you do it right, you can blend the circles together. I don't think this was done anything other than quick. You think I'm wrong? No. I mean... I mean uh, they, they, there's a something something's going on there. Yeah, on the left side of your magwell on an AR is usually where you'll find the stamp of the manufacturer, and this one looks uh, totally photoshopped out. So who knows what he bought, but uh, he bought something, and I love the fact that he went and did it. Like I'm not begrudging I'm him at all. He's, he's probably got more money than you and I would ever know, but it, that's probably like a Ruger. That dude. Yeah. Like, he could have yeah. gone out and bought, you know, whatever he wanted. It's all, it's close in style. Uh, the one he's holding during the protest looks to be a rifle-length gas system. Maybe a mid-length. I think it's a rifle-length gas system. And then this one's obviously a carbine length. Just a shorter hand guard on it, if you care to know. Uh, but otherwise, he, he likes that carry handle. Uh, iron sights. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. I'm not really beating him up over that. No, not at all. No, I, th- I mean, I think it's the right thing to do. In fact, I would almost argue that the, so the one he's holding during the protest, the carry handle is built in to the gun, which makes me think it's probably actually a Colt, right? Like an integrated carry handle. Could be. Not a lot of people do that, that I know of. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. This new one, it's attached. It has these two knobs. You can look at and see that somebody put it on the top of the gun and then wrenched it down to to make it sit there. But anyway, very defiant, and I just love that about it. I love that about it. You know, you sent me the article of him pleading guilty the other day, and I thought, A, why? But B, if you're going to do that, is there a play there that I'm just not aware of? Because he is a lawyer, right? Yeah, he's a lawyer. So I would think I would think him pleading guilty to any crime would put him in jeopardy of uh losing his license. Um That'd be a fair statement. Yeah, I think depending on the severity, um I, I don't think you'd be disbarred for a misdemeanor. And I think that's what he what he went down to. He pleaded guilty to misdemeanor charges, fourth degree assault, and was fined seven hundred and fifty bucks. His wife copped to harassment imagine, in two thousand. Imagine fine. having to plead to assault for standing on your own yard. Yeah, yeah, and and telling them to go away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he said, by the way, um, outside the courthouse that he'd do it all again. Clearly, he went in and pleaded guilty. Otherwise, he wouldn't be at the gun store, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. So pretty, uh, pretty defiant guy. What about the NCAA ruling? Where do you stand? I was so happy to see this. 
because yeah. I've been saying for years how wrong I think it is that these rich people just get more and more filthy rich off these kids who go and earn all the money. And these fat cats are literally like, yeah, well, thanks, you know. And, and then they sign Nick Saban, who basically needs a walker to make it to the field these days. <laughs> and he gets like $70 billion for four years of yelling at kids, you know. Like, how, what's, what's right about any of that? And now the Supreme Court says absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Citing antitrust laws, which made me curious. Um how that came into effect, but essentially, if you look at the FTC's website, Congress, uh, there's there's three antitrust laws. Um, the Sherman Act of 1890, and in 1914, they passed two additional antitrust laws, the Federal Trade Commission Act, which created the FTC, and the Clayton Act. Uh, but those are basically the three core federal antitrust laws still in effect today. The Sherman Act, I think, I haven't read the entire decision of the court, I just read by the way, Kavanaugh's opinion was blistering and awesome. They call it a concurring opinion. He agrees with the majority. Majority, It's not a dissenting opinion, but he, he just wanted to add his take to it, right? And I love that now all the people who hated him for the fake accusations are now retweeting and, and loving his stance on things. They're so happy for him. Naturally, all of a sudden, right. right? Yeah. It's worth reading. That's all I really read was his concurring opinion. But anyway, the Sherman Act outlaws every contract, combination, or conspiracy in restraint of trade, according to the FTC, and any monopolization, attempted monopolization, or conspiracy or combination to monopolize. So, for instance, in some sense, an agreement between two individuals to form a partnership can restrain trade, but may not do so unreasonably, and thus may be lawful under the antitrust laws. And I'm going to say that that's probably what they were looking at here, was this is an agreement between an individual and an entity, and that individual is getting their college tuition as part of compensation. But then... There's literally millions and millions, hundreds of millions of dollars being made off these kids. And so Kavanaugh uh, and the court, this was a unanimous decision, right? Uh, Yeah, unanimous decision. Ruling college athletics governing body illegally restricted education-based benefits that could be used as compensation to student-athletes. Kavanaugh gave the concurring opinion after Justice Neil Gorsuch wrote the initial opinion saying the NCAA's compensation rules raised, quote, serious questions under antitrust laws and gave three points on the matter. Uh, He really goes into it and it's really worth reading. But the basic premise is that the NCAA and its member colleges are suppressing the pay of student athletes who collectively generate billions of dollars in revenue for colleges every year. It's not clear, as far as I can tell, if these kids will get paid or not or their efforts or if this just because again all based i don't think that necessarily the schools will start to pay them i think this is more about endorsement deals yeah yeah i think that's really where this is um where we'll end up with this Mm. i and i would seem right i'm certainly no expert um i think i think because i think and you just mentioned the schools are already compensating them with an education so i think that's probably a fair uh, exchange there, right? Yeah, you come sure. play ball for us. We're going to provide you with our 
world class, uh, you know, scholarly uh, endeavors. And then now you're free to go talk to Nike or whomever about you know whatever kind of endorsement deal you want to do. Because they do restrain the players, even at, so. So let's use Taj Boyd as an example, right? If you play under the NCAA, the Taj Boyd was a renowned quarterback in his time. And he has to leave and go into like real estate, something stupid like that. When he could have left and immediately made millions of dollars as an analyst for ESPN. But there's a clause in there. Mm-hmm. He has to like sit out for three or four years before yep. he can go and actually work in the industry. That doesn't make any sense. That makes zero sense. That's one of those things that that man should have been allowed to leave college with a degree to fall back on if he chose, but also with the option of free enterprise in front of him and the ability to go out and say, well, I'll work for you, I'll work for you, or I'll work for you. Because, again, the guy was everybody knew and loved Tosh Boyd. He just wasn't, I mean, I don't know anything about sports, but I guess apparently he wasn't NFL material. I don't know why not. I don't know. But he didn't make it to the NFL. So for whatever reason, that's what happened. But he could still very easily go on and be a commentator on the sideline or in the booth for somebody like ESPN or Fox Sports and make a very healthy living and not have to go out and peddle real estate to people who are like, oh, you're Taj Boyd. Right. Like, that's got to be hard on him. Like, you know, like I'm not degrading the guy for going out and getting a great job. I'm just saying he knows, and you and I know, and the world knows, he could have done much more. He could have had a higher pay bracket but because of the way the NCAA exploits these people, he wasn't allowed to do that, and that's not right. Well, but isn't this really about the NCAA keeping the status quo? Right. In sure. other words, let's, so let's say that that, we, that fair exchange of your education versus playing ball for us is, is true. So if, the, if these student-athletes want to go out and get their endorsement deals or, or whatever, whatever that back-end thing is, that's not coming out of the school's pocket. The school's not financially hurt by that. Right. I think where they are hurt by this is this changes the landscape of sports in general. Now, are we talking about women's equestrian? No, I don't think we are. Right. But the footballs of the world, mm-hmm. this is going to change things in a big way. Yeah. The football that has been, I don't know, will remain because I think the the players, while they tend to gravitate towards the winning teams now, that may not be the end-all, be-all once the dust settles. Yeah. Because if you – so, for instance, let's say you got a team who is tied at the hip to Adidas – all right, so they get all their jerseys, all their gear comes from Adidas. And then you have this player over here who's coming out of high school, and now he's signed a deal with Nike, so he can't go play for the team that's hooked up with Adidas. I think it. I think those are the types of things that the NCAA is afraid of. Right, it, despite, by the way. It's a total loss of control. Well, the name image likeness stuff is a point of contention. Sure. And has been for a long time. And the NCAA, you can thank video games for that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely right. Uh, the NCAA is very disingenuously acting like they support an act of Congress to decide whether or not that will be handled in any given way. Meaning, 
their statement today said that, uh, how did they put it, um, even though the decision does not directly address name, image, and likeness, the NCAA remains committed to supporting name, image, likeness, benefits for student-athletes, then freaking do Where it. Where you been? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what are you talking about? If you're committed to it, just do it. Just allow it. Tell, tell the kids, you know, we'll, we'll help you figure out how to have some they, sort of bargaining. They have to pretend now like they were on yeah. board all along, though, right? Right, yeah. It's so funny to see them caught. Yep. You know, then they're the bad guys. Exactly right. And that's kind of my bigger issue with it is, obviously the decision was about educational benefits, what exactly, you know, NCAA is going to have to work uh, with the athletes to determine what actually is and is not an educational benefit. Sounds like there's now room in the courts because there's a decision from the Supreme Court saying, no, no, you can't restrict them on those things. Uh, but they didn't address name, image, and likeness. But point being, the NCAA is trying to act like, well, we support that too now, right? So now it's time for the student-athletes to go, well, we, we want everything that, that we've been owed up to this point, meaning we, we want the education. That's the least you can do for us. And then if somebody wants to use my name, image, and likeness, then I should be able to garner a percentage of that, yeah. or whatever the case may be. you know. Because, again, uh, there is something to be said. We'll just stick with Clemson as an example. Clemson's a national championship team for however many years, you know, and their football program is pretty awesome. People want to play for Clemson. I get that. But that player should still be able to go, and if they make their mark by their sophomore year, they should be able to go out and say, okay, but it's still me, still my work, still my face, my likeness. And, yes, you've invested in me, but that doesn't mean you 100% own me, right? So that kid should get a cut of whatever happens because of that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens to that, but I was pretty excited to see. I have such a disdain for the way people treat young athletes anyway. It all makes me mad. You know, the, the fat coaches on the sideline, the old men acting like they could do it. Uh, if they Highest paid to. people in, uh, in, in education. College football coaches. College football coaches. <laughs> right, yeah. Yep. I'll tell you one thing that I got really excited about. So you sent me that link earlier today, and one of the things that was striking to me was that they even decided to hear the case, and it just so happens to be an antitrust case because I was racking my brain trying to think of when's the last time you heard anything big come from an antitrust case. There's always little rumblings. There's been rumblings for the last couple of years. I mean, outside of Hunter Biden or? <laughs> that's a different thing. That's, that's a whole different, got him in trouble. different thing there. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I, I, I think I remember uh, maybe early 90s, like telecom stuff with like AT&T and some of those merging. And there was a lot of talk about that then. Yeah. It's not something you hear a lot about anymore. Mm-mm. And so. I guess what got me a little bit excited about it was it felt like a glimmer of hope. So if you have SCOTUS ruling on antitrust and you see what's going on with big tech, I, I, I'm just saying. Maybe. It, it wouldn't hurt my feelings if they broke Google up into a million pieces. Yeah, Facebook and Twitter as well. All of them, yeah. 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 Google shouldn't be allowed to own YouTube. It shouldn't have the number one and two search engine under its control and the way it filters information and really siphons out dissenting points of view, that, mm-hmm. that should all be considered. I'd agree with that. 
Hey, here's something fun. Last week, um, I basically had about a 45-minute tirade about my problem with this uh, recoil magazine cover and the Firearms Policy Coalition uh, treating gun owners as if uh, not celebrating Pride Month is some sort of bigotry and this idea that there's gun owners who believe gay people shouldn't be allowed to own guns. That's what Firearms Policy Coalition and Recoil would have you, have you believe, given the opportunity. Uh, and, and my point on that was that we need to be allowed to have sacred things, whomever we are. Like, we are, uh, you know, we just had Juneteenth, right? And this interesting thing happens where people are now... So second year in a row that we've had that. And isn't it funny that everybody only knows, like, one section of the story? Not that, like, oh, there's more you need to know, but it, it just to be, like, every company I saw a post said, uh, happy Juneteenth. This is the day where this general showed up and told the slaves they were really free. Nobody seems to know anything more than that. That's all everybody seems to know. Well, they don't know any more than that because literally two years ago, no one had ever heard of it. Right. Nobody knew that was a thing. And here's... My take on that, and what I think, uh, you know, Juneteenth, Juneteenth, (laughs) I keep just wanting to say June 19th. Juneteenth. That's racist. I know, maybe. Uh, It's an incredible thing, and it's worth celebrating, and that's awesome. Good for you. That's great. But what happens that becomes frustrating is you immediately start to see posts from people who go, yeah. Because on July 4th, not everyone was free. So, as if they've made some sort of amazing discovery. But the fact of the matter is there'd be no Juneteenth without July 4th, right? And if we're really honest with ourselves, which I know we don't want to be because America be big, bad man, uh, the slave trade was made illegal less than 20 years after we signed our documents, okay? 1808. The slave trade was illegal in the United States of America. We signed our founding documents in 1789. Those things were ratified. They became law. So within 20 years, we turned around and said, hey, this can't be a thing anymore. No more slave trade. And then it only took one other lifetime. Those people's kids turned around and said, oh, yeah. And by the way, you're not allowed to own them anymore either. And then everybody wants to act as if, see, not everybody was free on July 4th. But without July 4th, there wouldn't be the Juneteenth. It wouldn't be a thing. The idea was planned. Even, listen, you can be as woke white guy as you want to be, but Frederick Douglass, who helped advise Lincoln on the Emancipation Proclamation, he himself says that the abolition of slavery wouldn't have ever happened without the founding documents of the United States of America. Okay? So I'm not saying you have to forgive all the sins of the founders and the slaveholders and the people that lived here. Those were very, very bad things that can't be excused. But I am saying that the idea that America can't do good enough will never do good enough in some people's eyes. Well, July 4th didn't mean everybody was free. To say that is to disagree with the very people who made it happen. So you're actually the idiot, not everybody else. You're not smarter than everybody. You're actually ignoring a large section of history. When you talk like July 4th meant not every not everyone was free on July 4th. Yes, they were. Yes, they were. You hit the nail on the head. You're talking about people ignoring history. And that is the essence of cancel culture. That's Isn't the, it? That's the essence of uh, socialism. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, <laughs> this is a, an extension of woke culture. I mean, yeah. You know, I was I'm, I'm I was making light of it a minute ago, saying people didn't know what it was two years ago. People did know what it was two years ago. Um, I wouldn't say it was widely known. It certainly was not widely celebrated. But Apple put it on their calendar about two years ago, mm. and then it got people googling it, going, yeah. oh, "What is what is this? Yeah. I don't even know what this is. This a Muslim holiday? What what am I looking at right now? Yeah, what is it? And so you look it up, and you go, oh, "Okay, that's a cool story." And then I think, for the most part, people moved on with their lives. And then, uh, I guess two years ago, Donald Trump uh, was doing a rally around Tulsa on June 19th. And one of the uh, woke tards at CNN picked up on (laughs) the fact that Trump was in the the place where the Tulsa massacre happened um, at the turn of the century. And uh, immediately turn this into, well, obviously Donald Trump is a racist because he's having a, a, a white guy rally in Tulsa where black people were murdered on June 19th when the, the slaves found out that they were emancipated. Right. So clearly, I mean, that's, look. He's the problem. Look, one plus one is six, okay? <laughs> and remember what we just said Juneteenth was, right? You remember that everybody has said the exact same thing about yeah. what Juneteenth was. This is, uh, yeah. This, look, all right. Here's what we'll do. I'm gonna go to Instagram real fast. I'm gonna make this real quick. Um, give me like a major major company of some sort. Okay. Um, uh, Man, I really want to say Arcteryx right now, but they've been rolled under the bus really hard. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> oh, look at their logo, man. They got the the pride flag with the transgender people. All right, great. Can never uh, be woke enough, Chris. I'm telling you, man. Uh, the enormous loss of 215. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what date is this? That's June 1st. Wow, they don't post a lot. They're Canadian, though, so they June probably don't 2nd. care about oh, that's American true. holidays. True. If they're smart, they stayed out of it. Well, I think they learned their lesson this week. Okay. Yeah, they're not going to have anything. They're not going to. They don't. Uh, okay. Give me somebody American. Give me somebody American. Let's go with. Um, let's go with Chevy. You think Chevrolet posted anything about Juneteenth? Uh, they might. They're Chevy. It doesn't look like it. Doesn't look like it. Oh man, Jeep we're striking seems out. Dumb enough to do that. I'll tell you who would do it: Burger King. <laughs> I guarantee it: Burger King. Yeah, they're all woke now. I remember their yep. dollar from every chicken sandwich. Uh, let's see here. We love the Whopper. Okay, what's this right here? That's on, oh, May 9th. Boy, they don't do a lot on old uh, Instagram, do they? Well, it doesn't matter. All right, everybody, uh, man, they really skipped over it, huh? I think we need to start a campaign to illustrate just how racist Burger King is. I mean, why did they ignore Juneteenth? That's a question worth asking. Why? Why Burger King? Um... All right, doesn't matter. The point is, uh, everybody has said the same thing. This general, this uh, union general shows up in Texas and tells the slaves, no, the war's been over for a long time. You're free. Emancipation Proclamation freed you. Here is uh, President Biden telling you what he thinks Juneteenth is all about. Oh, boy. 
He's going down to Texas on Juneteenth, right? Donald Trump. First major massacre, literally speaking, of the uh, Black Wall Street, right? Years ago. <laughs> no, no. He's talking about Donald Trump going down to Texas on Juneteenth, June 19th, and not knowing what Juneteenth is about. I knew that was going to be a cohesive argument. Here he goes. He said, He's but... going down to Texas on Juneteenth, right? The first major massacre, literally speaking, of the uh, black wall street right years ago <laughs> what an idiot oh man he's so good he's so good two things by the Poor way fellow yeah i love that nobody's talking about the fact that uh it was the democrats by the way that were keeping the black people enslaved in the south right it's not like the republicans were doing that republicans were working to free them um, what he's talking about there is the Tulsa race massacre that was um, from May 31st to June 1st in 1921 where a mob attacked uh, a group of black people in Tulsa. Not much unlike, by the way, the time a group of Democrats attacked a group of Republicans and killed people in Louisiana during a Republican National Convention in the 19th century. Nobody wants to talk about that. But that was a thing as well. So back, my, my original point was this. I, I, I spent a lot of time last week just talking about how frustrating it is to feel like you can't have anything that's sacred and recoil and firearms policy coalition peddling in identity politics is exceptionally frustrating because you feel like you should be able to trust those resources to not get involved. There's nothing more anti-American, anti-individual liberty than to say you should agree with the collective. You should get in line with whatever the collective belief system is, and if you can't get in line with that, then you are anti-American and you're a bigot. That is indeed anti-American way of thinking. It's a terrible way to think. Look, in America, we'll ruffle some feathers. If you want to believe that gay people shouldn't own guns, it's your right to believe that. Nobody's going to agree with you. Everybody's going to laugh at you and think you're an idiot. But you're free to think that because that's the way we work here, right? You're allowed to be an individual. You're allowed to have your belief system. You can be whoever you want to be, do whatever it is you want to do, and we don't get in your way about it until it starts harming other people's individual rights, right? You're not allowed to go out and make laws that say gay people can't have guns. That is anti-American. But to believe that it should be something isn't necessarily anti-American. That's the hard part of free speech and free thought, right? So it was really frustrating to see those things happen. Recoil, it just exploit. They've exploited this gay man more than any, anything else I can remember in recent history. They're doing posts about him now, um, trying to make his sexual proclivities and afterthoughts, and saying, you know, he won this reality TV show, but he's also an advocate for the Second Amendment. They could have easily put a straight guy in a rainbow shirt. They could have picked said, anybody. And said, this, this straight guy supports gay rights and right. all that jazz. And they didn't do that. Well, it doesn't pander so, enough, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm surprised by any of it. Well, let me take that back. I'm not surprised by Recoil. They're a magazine. they got to sell issues. Right. Right. That, right. that is what, that's, that's how they exist. So, am I disappointed? Yeah, a little bit, because it's the firearms industry. And so, to me, it, it, it seems we should be beyond identity politics, as you've right, said. Right, right. Um, 
what does surprise me is Firearms Policy Coalition seems to be, and this is just my personal opinion, seems to be the only real organization out there legitimately fighting for gun rights. Mm. So, for instance, Texas just got uh, constitutional carry mm-hmm. passed. Yeah. And you got Wayne LaPierre standing up there acting like he did something. NRA had no part in that. Now, I'm not I'm not going to go as far as to say Firearms Policy Coalition did, but they're, they've been at the forefront at a lot of these uh, things like the bump stock ban, uh, the multiple attempts at braces right. uh, on AR pistols. So there's a lot of different green tip ban. There's a lot of different things that uh, they jumped on. The NRA seems to take little to no action, leaning towards no. I mean, it, let's be honest. NRA is not really they're not putting themselves out there. Right. To me, they sort of strike me as like, we're just going to pick up the check. Like, whatever you guys want to give us, we're cool with that. Right. But we're not going to go out there and get, you know, real crazy and, and start demanding, you know, free machine guns for everyone. Yeah, I mean, they backed the bump stock ban. They did. Yeah. They did. I think I think they're a large part of why it was so easy for it to pass. Yeah. Um, so, Firearms Policy Coalition seems to be the one, uh, I mean, like, if you look at their Twitter, it's kind of awesome. Like, you'll have yeah. a politician call for some, you know, assault weapons ban, and they will literally say, F you, on yeah. Twitter to that person, at, you know, whoever politician, F you. I mean, I don't know that that's the, the best way to go about it. <laughs> right. But I, I kind of agree with the sentiment. Honey and vinegar, right? You know? So, yeah. I, so it, I guess I'm a little perplexed at why they would involve themselves. I don't think they know what they're doing. I, I honestly, yeah, that could be it, that very it, well. Could be it. It's a whole new ball game. There's a difference between being a constitutionalist and then being an expert on the zeitgeist and figuring out what is dividing people, what is uniting people. There is nobody. It is such a straw man argument to say we support the Pride Month because Second Amendment rights are for everybody. Okay. That's yeah. not that's not what Pride Month is. It's not what Pride are, Month are is. Not, <laughs> yeah. not related. You can you you should be able to say, and as we do, that the Second Amendment applies to everyone all the time. You can say that every month. But the minute you get into the idea of we support the narrative that a certain class of people deserve extraordinary protections and elevation above others. Because of their identity, that's a problem. That's a problem. And then to double down and and to say that those who oppose it, and by the way, who oppose you celebrating Pride Month are bigots and anti-American, that's just a bridge too far. It's just a bridge. Like, you just shouldn't involve yourself in that type of political discourse. You should stay strictly constitutional. Um, and again, I mean, I guess, I guess you could stretch it and make the argument that, you know, you've had a homosexual marriage in front of the Supreme court recently. And that was a thing, but there's, there's nothing in the constitution about, about marriage. Right. I mean, there's the, um, you know, the pursuit of happiness argument you can make and all that. Um, but there's nothing in the constitution about marriage. The, the Supreme court invented that right. There's no right to marriage in the constitution. I think a lot of this was drummed up t- 
to sort of insinuate that there are people out there that are saying gay people shouldn't own guns or something. Yeah. No, it's, and, yeah. and first of all, I don't think that's a thing. And I would say that because I don't think that's something that straight gun owners think about. Why would we? What like? But I don't think about that about any class of people. Right. I think, I you know, when I look at gun ownership, um, I think there's a couple of key factors. One is uh, the right to protect yourself and your family. Um, a, a distant second would be uh, they're a hell of a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. You know. So I wouldn't want to deny either of those two things to anyone. Right. Uh, and to me, it doesn't matter if you're black or you're gay or you're whatever. There are bad people in the world. It's a great big world out there. And those bad people in that great big world sometimes mean to do people harm. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 it's, it's, it's just a jump that I can't make that I feel like that implied uh, idea is even floating out there in the ether. Right. Yeah. You know, it's, we've talked about this before, like um, uh, this idea that there's this white nationalist uh, thing that's happening in in America. Right. KKK is, is this big thing. And there's like six registered members. Yeah. There's nobody's even in it anymore. To me, this is very similar to that. Like we're, we're, we've, we've thought up this argument to a question that didn't exist. Mm. Yeah. It's just bizarre. Well, it's a, it's a it's like it's the only stereotype people are allowed to believe. It's yeah. accepted, yeah. right? In the culture and everybody perpetuates it and we they echo it and they say that's exactly right and this is the way those people are. But it's just absolutely not true. It's absolutely not true. So, my point uh last week was largely that nothing can be sacred. And and maybe a good secondary point that I didn't make is the slippery slope it all leads to where does this take you when you start saying okay we'll embrace pride month we embrace the transgender movement now like we have to we have to put up with these people who have legitimate neurological disorders we have to pretend like they're okay like where where does this end and i don't want to equate that with with the gay movement but the gay movement did that like the homosexual community has embraced the transgender community the flag includes them both now if you look at the pride flags that are flying it has both transgender and homosexuality on it right paved the way for it sure so that i mean they're hand in hand i I, listen i believe it's it's the worst thing the gay community ever did was to say we'll embrace transgenderism and treat it like they're a part of us that's a really really bad move both from a public relations perspective and from a logic perspective in the sense that if you want us to believe you're born gay don't include the people who pay doctors to chop off their private parts. Like they grow up and make those choices. There's no way around that, right? You're born. You phrase that much more um, politically correct than Dave Chappelle did, right? If you've heard, if you've heard his stand up on the on the matter. If not, you should go listen to it. About the same. Yeah. Well, it's it's pretty brilliant. So you can't you can't bring them into the fold, right? And act like, well, we're one and the same, and then expect to have your argument that you're born that way, and 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 what so are they? Well, yeah, they are. They're born with a mental disorder that studies suggest can be grown out of. Like if they're left alone and not told it's normal, they'll grow out of it. That's gender dysphoria. Anyway, my point is, you see that happening. 
you see recall and you see firearms policy coalition forcing us to kind of bend the knee to the political ideology of the left, which that's what that is. That's a leftist political ideology that we all need to fly the pride flag and be proud of them and be proud for them. My, my kids, we were in the living room on Saturday or Sunday this weekend and they were watching behind the scenes of Pixar. I just had it running on Disney Plus. Now you can't watch anything on Disney Plus this month, by the way. My son literally said to me the other day, "The only thing we haven't seen that would be new is Out, Out on Disney Plus, in the kids section, an animated feature film about a man coming out to his parents and telling them the type of sex he prefers." There's another one now called My Little Prince. Have you seen this? And then parenthetically, ESS, right? Princess. I have not. About a transgender boy who likes to dress like a girl. And how the bigots of the world hold him back and his parents love him anyway. So behind the scenes Pixar, nothing to do with making animated movies. It's playing, I'm listening, and suddenly this man is like, well, I was doing everything I could to be straight. And I go, hey, somebody hand me the remote. Hand me that remote. Why, Dad? Why? And then the next thing I was mouth, because being a gay man in whatever town he was from was not easy. <laughs> and I'm like backing out of it. Because guess what? My kids are too young to have conversations about that type of stuff. Who cares? Who cares? Except that there's this erosion of foundational and fundamental American principles that's happening. And they want the nuclear family to be eradicated. They want you to believe that mom and dad are on equal footing as two gay men. Gay men and gay women cannot procreate. You have to make a decision. You can't have babies as gay people. You must adopt, right? Unless you want to use science and donate and do all that stuff that, you, that could be done. Right. But the two of you who quote-unquote love each other, which is great for you, you're not naturally making a baby. You need to face that reality. And I know that might be rude to say, but that's the way, that's science. Like, who's denying the hey, science rude, now? Rude or not, it's the truth. So there's an erosion. There's this attempt to say that, that all that can be done away with or all that is equal. But study after study after study shows the negative effects of children raised outside of a nuclear home, meaning a mom and a dad, a mom and a dad. It's really, really hard on kids. So now you have Evanston, Illinois, a Chicago suburb, made history this year by officially approving a reparations program. Then they held a public Juneteenth celebration, but they've canceled their 4th of July celebration for the year. Go figure. New Zealand weightlifter will be the first openly trans competitor at the, Olympic, at the Olympics. Uh, a guy named Laurel Hubbard is now going to be in the women's weightlifting roster for the upcoming Olympics in Tokyo, making the first openly transgender athlete to compete in the games. It could also be worded, by the way, the first man allowed to compete against women. Hubbard is 43, and he'll compete in the category for women over 87 kilograms, which is about 192 pounds. Uh, this is my favorite part. Hubbard said in a statement on Monday, quote, when I broke my arm at the Commonwealth Games three years ago, I was advised that my sporting career had likely reached its end, end quote. I like to think that he immediately was like, okay, what do I have to do? To compete and win. I know. Compete against women. Compete I think, against I think women. that conversation was 
more complex than that. I oh. think there was another option. Well, maybe not even another option. I think there was a conversation he probably likely had with himself where he's trying to decide what reasonable skills he has to support himself yes. outside of lifting heavy things. Because, no offense to Olympic athletes, curling, I'm sure, is a lot of fun. Right, right. But, like, if that's what, if that's what we're hanging our hat on. That's what I got. That's all, that's all you got to go off of. You might want to rethink the career path a little bit. Really? Why would you Just say Just a piece such of advice thing? from a guy who's never done anything great. <laughs> well, neither have the people on the curling team. Uh, Sesame Street this week introduced two gay dads and their daughter for the Family Day episode. It was the first time the iconic children's TV program has shown a married gay couple, which it called a, quote, bold statement. For LGBTQ visibility. I'm actually surprised that took as long as it did. Yeah, yeah. Because they all already are. Right. Hashtag Elmo, if you remember. I do remember. And isn't that funny? How are you going to act like you're gay friendly when you fired Elmo for being gay? I got nothing. We don't want to talk about that? We don't want to talk about that? Okay. Idiots. Well, the creator of Elmo came out and said, because they were trying to say that Elmo the puppet not the guy playing Elmo, was gay. And the creator of Elmo, I think this was like a year or so ago, came out and said, mm-hmm. Elmo's a puppet. So, kind of hard for Elmo to be gay. Right. But he was gay. Because he's a puppet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So It was the creator of Elmo that got in the trouble, though. Yeah. 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 For having a relationship with a man. Right. Weird how that works. Never huh. woke enough. Yeah. Because it wasn't anything illicit. It wasn't like it was an underage man or anything, if I recall correctly. It's like two consenting adults. just timing wasn't convenient for them. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Weird how that works. It wasn't the month of June, obviously. What I love, yeah, right. He'd have had double whammy going for him. This was the big uh, massacre on Wall Street of the gays. (laughs) Uh, You mean Sesame Street? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your president? Yeah, Yeah, something like that. Um, it's just so incredible. You got a, a, a totally white guy. Then you got a guy that looks like he's Pacific Islander or something. And then you have a girl who's racially ambiguous and that's their daughter. It'll be interesting to see how Sesame street explains that to the kiddos. Um, details being that they, they show up and in the clip of the episode, um, the gay dads are Frank and Dave, and they're the brother of the bike store owner, Nina, uh, bike store owner Nina. Their daughter is Mia. In the clip of the episode, the couple arrives on screen two minutes into the episode, announcing in unison, we're here. After some hugs, Nina excitedly says, okay, everybody, I want you to meet my brother Dave, his husband Frank, and my niece Mia. Yay! Uh, At the end, Frank tells the group, there's all kinds of different families, but what makes us a family is that we love each other, that we love each other, which is weird because usually in families, um, you know, (laughs) it's, I won't say what I was thinking there. I'm actually going to cut myself off. Um, I want to know, I literally want to know if they'll tell kids, if they'll instruct them that the two men, two men could not make a baby and that the little girl had to be adopted. 
or made in a laboratory. I'm going to go that route. You, you think not? You really think you think they won't be honest with the kids? Just imagine you're watching Sesame Street with your kids, and here comes two dudes, and suddenly, what do you mean two dads? I'd be like, uh, what do you say to that? Not really a whole lot you can say. All right, uh, Sesame Street could be our voter, but they won't. We got another one for you. I'm an ambitious officer. One voter. Everybody knows the rules. I need to be a part of the 100 Club. Oh, Macy Gray. Do you remember Macy Gray from back in the day? Barely. Get off, but I'm dreaming of you. Gosh, I, 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 I feel like I remember a really raspy yeah. voice. Um, not, not around very long. I feel like late nineties. Does that sound right? Hmm. Maybe, maybe about right. Yeah. I had her CD. Like her song was good enough that I thought maybe she'd have more than one. And boy, was I wrong. Anyway, singer Macy Gray has written an op-ed calling for a, a replacement for the U S flag calling it tattered, dated, divisive, and incorrect. <laughs> incorrect. I like that. Like, maybe she read the actual history of what everything meant. Oh, okay, liberty. Mm-hmm. Blood of patriots. Okay, yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, a star per state. Wrong! Wrong! Um, writing for Market Watch, the 53-year-old Grammy winner likened the current flag to the tired Confederate one. Hmm. Citing the insurrectionists who carried the stars and stripes on storming the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Quote, the American flag has been hijacked as code for a specific belief, the I Try singer wrote in her June 17th op-ed. God bless those believers. They can have it. Like the Confederate, it is tattered, dated, divisive, and incorrect. It no longer represents democracy and freedom. It no longer represents all of us. It's not fair to be forced to honor. It's time for a new flag. Hey, remember... Remember recently when we were all mad about those guys taking a knee during the national anthem and everybody was like, seem to recall that. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa. Why are you so offended? And we were like, well, it's disrespectful to the flag. They should stand up and honor the mm-hmm. people that have died for their right to take a knee. And everybody's like, no, no, they have the right to take a knee. Remember that? Remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they remember when that guy from, uh, Oh, what's, what's his name? John from, uh, ASP. What's that stand for? Uh, it doesn't matter anymore. Anyway, he was all like taking a knee. He was like, I'm pro-gun. Active self-protection. Yep. He's like, I'm pro-gun. I was in the Navy. I'll take a knee. I stand with Colin Kaepernick, even though I take a knee. Uh, I stand with him. I don't know how to say it because I'm taking a knee, but I stand with him. Uh, he didn't really say that. I made that up. Uh, anyway, uh, there, there again, you would think gun culture, people who really believe in the Constitution and the sacrifices required to maintain it, wouldn't be as incredibly left as they are. There's, there's another great example. Um, remember that. And then it, it led to this, like we were so worked up about people kneeling to the flag. Uh, and we were told to sit down and shut up. And now the conversation has begun legitimately market watch published the op-ed. So that means somebody there agrees with her. And wants the conversation to be had, no, Abolish the American flag and just start over. It's it's as it's as dirty as the uh, Confederate flag, even though, by the way, we're not going to talk about the fact that it's because of the American flag that the Confederate flag isn't flown today above our Capitol buildings. What? That's crazy talk. That's dumb. I'm an idiot.
All right, listen, we didn't get to it this week, but if you'll come back next Tuesday, we will solve all of the world's problems. Okay. Didn't have time for it. Ran out of time. Glad to have you back, Elon. Glad to be back. All right. That's going to be a wrap for number 148 of the Felt Recall Podcast. Please share it with somebody you love. They're going to want to hear it too. Find out more about us at feltrecoalshow.com. Stalk us on the social medias and we'll stalk you in return. Very active on Facebook. Find us over there and join the conversation. We'll see you in seven more days right back here.